Welcome to the Mindful Divine Podcast with your host, Shayna Bianchi. As a certified Reiki energy worker, a hypnosis therapist, author, and motivational speaker, I like to consider myself a mindful healer. I designed this podcast to give you a method to manifesting in order to transform your life and welcome the things you not only want, but deserve. Whether you're into alternative wellness or simply want to learn to be more mindful in your daily routine, I will equip you with tools, practices, and spiritual wisdom to align with your dream life. I'm here to remind you that there is more light within and the power to beginning your inner journey starts right now. Gandhi says you have to be the change, but it begins with your own transformation. And that made me realize sometimes we have a resistance to our own existence. Sometimes we use words and thoughts that jeopardize our happiness, success, and transformation of our day-to-day reality. And as I say that, I wonder, I wonder if we could strip back and unprogram the societal programming to undo the constructs, let go of the thoughts that do not serve us. Could we all shine brighter as a species, as a world, as a collective? Could our generation help be the change for good? I have a mind, but I am not my mind. I have thoughts, but the thoughts do not make me who I am. Today, we're going to talk about the power of our minds and our word choice, thought patterns, ancient rituals, a six-step program for you to apply today to manifest positive shifts, and neuro-linguistic programming. Also, I know you may be like, wait, hold up, what the heck is neuro-linguistic, whatever, but don't worry, we'll get into it later together. We will delve into the act of noticing when our mind's narrative tangents, and we'll take steps together to understand the actuality of our reality and how to play out scenarios to our benefit, not to our detriment. As always, thank you so much for listening and supporting this podcast. It truly means the world to me to really just help spread light and have an outlet for a positive message. Please subscribe to the show if you like it. Send it to a friend who might get value out of the message. And don't forget to stay mindful and divine. How many of your thoughts are positive or negative? Can you try to change your negative behavior and thoughts into positive behavior and thoughts? Tough ask, right? But did you know that the brain can change at any time? Did you know that you can challenge old beliefs and patterns? Today, we're going to get into new beliefs and new patterns and learn to use your past as an advisor, not a deterrent. We will see the importance of our internal narratives and make sure that the narrative inside doesn't decide for you. I read an article on VeryWellMind.com recently, and they had a great discussion about neuroplasticity, which is brain plasticity. It's a term that refers to the brain's ability to change and adapt as a result of experience. When people say the brain possesses plasticity, they're not suggesting that the brain is similar to plastic. Neuro refers to neurons, the nerve cells that are the building blocks of the brain and the nervous system, and plasticity refers to the brain's malleability. And up until the 1960s, researchers believed that changes in the brain could only take place during infancy and childhood. By early adulthood, it was believed that the brain's physical structure was actually mostly permanent. Modern research has demonstrated that the brain continues to create new neural pathways and alter existing ones in order to adapt to new experiences, learn new information, and create new memories. The human brain is composed of approximately 86 
billion neurons. Yes, I said billion. Early researchers believed that neurogenesis, or the creation of new neurons, stopped shortly after birth. But today, it's understood that the brain possesses the remarkable capacity to reorganize pathways, create new connections, and, in some cases, even create new neurons. Neuroplasticity is a great connection to a programming technique called NLP, better known as neuro-linguistic programming. To explain NLP in one sentence, NLP helps you optimize your brain processes, neuro, through the use of language, linguistic, to learn smart strategies, programming. So we now know and understand that we can reformulate the pathways of the brain, reprogramming any negative thoughts that you've said to yourself or that others have said to you. We use words so frivolously, which impact our brains drastically. We as a species have become caught up in the drama of our own lives and our own narratives. We say things like, oh my God, that was the worst, or I can't seem to find a good guy, or I could never be rich enough for a house like that. Sometimes the things we say to ourselves are even more in the shadows, like, I don't belong here, or I'd be better off gone. These are real valid feelings and emotions. And if you think you're struggling with depression, please reach out to a professional for guidance and support. But I do want to help shine light on the statements and the verbal cues that we use. I notice when I ask disempowering questions like, why is this happening to me playing a victim card, then I'm met with negative experiences. But when I ask heart-opening, high-vibe questions like, what is my purpose? How can I help others? How can I serve? Then doors and windows open. Gifts come. Opportunities are revealed. The law of attraction would meet my attractive attitude. It's almost like everyone has a personal mirror. We create as we speak. There are a few icons in life that I think are here as way showers and light workers, if you will. I mean, Martin Luther King, the Dalai Lama, Gabrielle Bernstein, Marianne Williamson, Deepak Chopra, Wayne Dyer, Shaman Derek, so many other healers and leaders that I look to and admire. I think Alicia Keys is one of them too, one of the special humans here to bring light and goodness to the world. I recently heard her talking to none other than Madame Oprah, and Alicia said that she's very specific about her word choice on a daily basis because specific words hold energy and power and have a very deep meaning. And I love this. She says she doesn't say words like can't, try, if, never, or fail. Instead, she uses words like can, will, win, always, and succeed. I put a poll out and I asked some of you what your go-to negative phrase was and the number one problem that you're facing in life today. I will never use anyone's full name, just first initial, so we can retain privacy. H said she was constantly saying out loud, even around her children, we don't have enough money for this or that. H also said her biggest problem was that she feels she's always just getting by each month and that it's been like this her whole life, even when she was a child. There's an interesting light bulb there for us to see in H's story. She was programmed at a young age to think that money, A, is hard to come by, and B, there's never enough. H heard the negative thought, low vibe phrases from her parents, made it her own narrative, and is now living out the same story by repeating it, affirming that money is hard to come by and that there's never enough. And she's starting to cycle it into her children's minds. See the pattern? H didn't mean to manifest this. In fact, a lot of the time we do this, and we don't mean to either, it's a superhuman thing for us to do, but the fact is, we all do do this, all too often too, and my hope is to help you recognize the statements 
and then rewrite the narrative. I told H, even if money is tight at this time, she should write down and affirm out loud, we have more than enough money, and I welcome more to come with open arms. Sort of an abundance exercise. Welcome to Method to Manifesting 101, a guidance segment providing you with specific tools and spiritual hacks to put mindfulness and manifestation into practice. The power of words and verbally affirming is a power. It's not just imagining. You should envision your desires. Yes, picture them. Color in the black and white pages of your wish list. But to truly take hold of your desires, to truly manifest and make them a reality, I've learned that the universe cannot read your mind. That's right. The universe or God or Buddha or source or your guides, they can't read minds. And by the way, whatever you or however you refer to your higher power is totally fine. The name is irrelevant. The energy and the belief is absolute. It doesn't matter what you call it. All forms and beliefs are accepted in life. Did you know that the word yoga is from the Sanskrit word of yo, which means to unite? And the word inspire literally means to be in spirit. So to inspire yourself and to inspire others, you're actually living in spirit, in flow. And a person in spirit can unite, create, and manifest anything that they want to manifest. The word healing also comes from the root word to make whole. Putting that together reflects every single person's journey here on this planet. That's my question and mantra of today. Can I be more whole by living in spirit? I love that. Gandhi says you have to be the change, but it begins with your own transformation. So do it. Start to transform the negative voice in your head. Start to recognize that your thoughts are valid, but they do not make you who you are. That's pretty powerful. All I ask is for you for today, for the rest of today, just make note of the times that you use positive high vibe words or negative low vibe words. Mentally clock it. Don't obsess over it. Don't let it make you crazy, but start to make small mental notes. Then by the end of today, try to say one high vibe phrase with positive words. It will start to heal and replace negative thought statements and patterns. If you can do this for today, Try it for the rest of the week. Notice when you say low vibe words and then be sure to verbally say one high vibe affirming phrase each day. The goal is to make the acknowledgement part of your daily routine and eventually remove low vibe words from your verbal vocab. I get it. This will be easy for some of you and challenging for others and that's okay. Be gentle with yourself on this journey. Even if the positive affirming welcoming phrase isn't true yet, but you want it to be. Fake it, say it, believe it, write it down and say it to yourself. Yell it while you're in the shower or on a walk or say it unapologetically as you're in conversation with someone. Whatever it is and however you say it, just believe it. Say it out loud and affirm it. Believe you can and you will. This is what I like to call a micro change. Start to say yes in little ways. Listen to your positive phrases. There are also six easy steps that I use all the time, and I'd like to share them with you. It'll help you implement the neuro-linguistic programming we talked about, giving you tools and practices to use every single day. Focus on what you want rather than what you don't want. Don't make negative goals about things you want to lose or avoid. Instead, think about what you'd like to achieve, attain, and develop. Phrase your goals so that they best express your complete desire. For instance, if you want to have a partner, instead of making your goal, meet someone special. Make it, live my life with someone I truly love. 
A goal that sounds satisfying to you will motivate you more than a goal that only expresses a step in the plan to achieve. Two, ask yourself positive questions. Self-questioning is a fundamental practice of NLP. Ask questions about the things that you would like to change in your life. Your mind tries to answer any questions you pose, so make sure to phrase your questions in a way that will lead to useful, positive answers. For instance, instead of asking, what's wrong with me? You might ask, what can I do to feel better? In what ways would I like to change my life? How will my life improve if I make these changes? How can I help serve others better? Three, edit your mental images. Practitioners of NLP believe that thinking of an image of people, events, or other things can help you understand how you feel about them. To do this, picture someone or something that irritates you. Next, make changes to the image in your mind as if you were editing it on a computer. Picture people or things that make you feel bad, turning darker and moving farther away. Picture people or things that make you feel good, turning brighter and coming closer to you. And then notice how all of these changes make you feel. Four, mess with negative voices in your head. The way you speak to yourself in your head has a lot to do with your happiness and your mental health. Most psychologists will tell you to notice how you're talking to yourself and change your tone to a loving and encouraging tone. NLP has a similar but sort of different approach. It suggests that you mess with the sound of the negative voice so that it has less power. If you hear yourself thinking something like, you'll never get this done, repeat the message, but with a distorted sound. Make it sound like a goofy cartoon character like Donald Duck or Mickey Mouse or Fred Flintstone. Yes, I have been watching cartoons from the 60s for the past few Saturdays with my husband while eating waffles. (laughs) Also, notice how different versions of the voice make you feel and how the negative message can get distorted. Don't let yourself take yourself so seriously all the time. This is a big one for me. I always ask my friends how they talk to themselves in their heads. I had a friend B who would always shut himself down and call himself so fucking stupid or an idiot if he would make a mistake with work or forget to do something small around the house. That made me so sad to hear. He was constantly programming his brain to think he was less than when in fact he was not. B was successful, kind, smart, funny, charismatic, and well off. He even said that he would never talk to a friend or a family member in this tone, and it made me wonder how the voice in our head can dictate so much, good and bad. I try to have my inner voice speak in a very kind, gentle, and affirming way to me. I even do this in little ways. I remember I used to call myself, or the voice in my head called myself, such a smart cookie, when I, like in this funny voice, when I would remember to put my keys in the small pocket of my purse so it was easy to access at night when I was leaving work. Such a silly small act, but it always made me feel good and I giggled to myself. When I'm feeling low, I'll also compliment or affirm myself on 10 different things in my mind before bed so my brain can work out the positive high vibe statements while I sleep. Sometimes it's hard to find 10 things that I did well or that I like about myself that day. And some days it's easy and I allow myself to go above 10, but I always make myself reach 10. And I do feel better after, even when I wake up. I usually do this for seven days or more from the first day that I'm feeling lousy or down, and it always straightens me out. Our minds are very powerful. Step number five, play out scenarios backward. When you have a bad experience that is haunting you, treat it like a movie. Play it backwards, starting from after it occurred to right before it occurred. Do this several times until you've memorized the backward sequence. 
Now add a different ending, one that you like better. Notice how you feel about the experience. Scenarios like this are interesting to me too. The narratives we make up can have a positive or negative effect on us. I had a friend, Jay, who told me all about this gal that he worked with. He said she was super intimidating in meetings, one of those smart girls from back east who's from a well-to-do family and an Ivy League school and just was so much smarter than him. I asked Jay if he knew for sure that she was from back east and went to a prestigious college or if that was the narrative that he made up about her. He started laughing and said, you know what, you're right. I actually think that I just imagined all that about her and I made up the story in my mind of who I thought she was and why she seemed intimidating. It was a really funny moment that stopped both of us in our tracks, and I can think of at least 20 times when I've done the exact same thing. As humans, we're always trying to compartmentalize, label, and narrate. Innately, we're all storytellers, but the act of noticing when our minds tangent and begin to make things up is a good step in understanding the actuality of our reality and how to play out scenarios to our benefit, not our detriment. Six. Visualize colors and connect them with feelings that you would like to experience. For example, if you want to feel confident, imagine a color that looks confident to you, like bright orange. Imagine a bright square of that color in front of you. In your mind, step into the square and focus on feeling that emotion. Imagine exactly how it would look and feel to be inside of that colored square. When you want to experience this feeling, visualize the square in front of you. Step into it and notice how you feel. I'm obsessed with colors and rainbows and light exercises, and I also want to recommend something that Lacey Phillips calls rainbow asking. Lacey has a podcast called Expanded and has amazing courses and workshops through her To Be Magnetic site. She's highly gifted and a real expander for me. She has this technique that I absolutely love, and I want to share it with you. Sit on a chair. Close your eyes. Place your palms on your thighs. Focus on your breath. Now visualize drawing up red energy from the earth through your left leg, your root chakra, and down your right leg. With your next breath, visualize red energy coming through your right leg now, through your root chakra, and down your left leg. Do it a couple of times until that chakra feels cleansed, bright, and strong. Now repeat that same step with orange through your second chakra, yellow through your third, green through your fourth, blue, your throat, purple through your forehead, and white over the top of your head. Once you've finished with the colors and chakras, moving all the way up your body, place your left hand on your heart and take a moment to witness anything that comes up for you, good or bad. With each thought, I want you to silently say, I love you. This is equal parts an NLP neuroplasticity exercise as it is hippy-dippy. You're replacing your subconscious fear loop or your ego with acceptance, which creates new neural pathways. It's also putting you in a heart-centered place. Once you feel the warm energy of your heart activated, I want you to ask the universe for clarity. Show me blank, whatever it is that you want to ask for. It can be whatever you're calling in. It might still feel fuzzy. It can be an answer to anything. And this is a great practice to briefly get out of the illusion of your ego and into communicating with your heart and soul about your true trajectory. 
pictures could come to you, downloads, ideas, answers, or nothing at all. Exactly what you're supposed to receive will present itself. It's important to look to various stories and ancient rituals of years past. This is a segment called Ancient Ancestors and will help us learn from our ancestors, myths, and those who came before us. Today I want to tell you about Yongzhongbon. What is Yongzhongbon? Well, for starters, it's Tibet's oldest spiritual tradition, first brought to what is now Western Tibet 18,000 years ago. It has rich traditions and sophisticated philosophy and teachings. These teachings and practices help to cultivate the heart-mind compassion and wisdom. They also promote healing, forgiveness, clarity, peace, and ultimately lead to enlightenment. His Holiness, the Dalai Lama, has acknowledged that Bon is the native religion of Tibet and one of the five core spiritual traditions of that region. The Dalai Lama has further said that to understand Tibetan culture and history completely, one must understand Bon and both support it and preserve it. Yang Drung Bon can be categorized into three main sets of teachings. These three sets are known as the outer, inner, and secret teachings. Sanskrit Sutra, Tantra, and Dzogchen. Each of these sets of teachings is a complete system of spiritual development that can lead the practitioner to attain enlightenment. Through Bon were other significant ancient healing practices. My favorite are the Yanja ceremonies, and I love doing these. Yanja is the ancient yogic practice of making offerings into a sacred fire. A fire ceremony purifies emotions, burns up unresolved conflicts and worries, and leaves us feeling lighter, free, and more open inside. As we focus on letting go, the fire dissolves our tensions, leaving us only with vibhuti, or sacred ash, leaving that behind. The vibhuti represents the pure essence of our nature, the inner self. The divine masculine, or kukai, and the divine feminine, Amaterasu is said to come into balance, or the yin and yang comes into balance through a yanja ceremony. The ritual is designed to help us clear obstacles so that we may attain perfect harmony with ourselves and the spiritual realm. Dr. Alberto Villodo, a Cuban-born psychologist, medical anthropologist, and author who writes primarily in the field of neo-shamanism, says fire allows for rapid transformation. It provides the avenue to let go of the old story and drama, to transform, to renew, and be reborn. I recently did a modern version of this Yanja fire ritual during the last full moon with my husband. Separately, we wrote down everything that we were holding onto onto some paper. I wrote thoughts, feelings, and experiences that were sticking to me and keeping me from spiritual growth, resentments, ego-limiting beliefs. During the full moon, we went outside under the light to burn them together in a controlled environment and then set them inside of a metal bin, and we silently watched as the words burned up. They disappeared, and they turned into this small pile of nothing ash. We inhaled deeply and released the words that were once part of our reality. And just as quickly as they burned, we removed them from our reality. I have to say, I don't really like fire typically. It kind of freaks me out. Maybe it's a past life thing. But after learning about this ritual, understanding the nature of the healing and the power of the act, I've grown such a deep respect for it and the release of the ritual itself. The energetic vibrations that are invoked during a traditional Vedic fire ceremony 
are said to represent the most powerful presence of the divine on earth. That yin and yang, baby. The upward motion of fire is also said to be similar to the divine kundalini energy. It's believed to be a powerful, purifying element, especially for any type of negative karma that you might have gathered from non-virtuous behavior. Pretty rad, right? Mindful and Metaphysical is a segment where we will delve into a wild theory, concept, scientific breakthrough, or idea that will help you see the world and our reality through a different lens. All men by nature desire to know. So begins the first book of Aristotle's Metaphysics, written about two and a half thousand years ago and still one of the most influential works of Western philosophy. Human nature hasn't changed. The desire to know still drives and moves us. And when I think about Aristotle, I think about who he was mentored by, and that is Plato, the famed Greek philosopher. Plato had something called the theory of forms, which has a beautiful example about reality. Plato's theory of forms asserts that the physical realm is only a shadow or image of the true reality of forms. So what are these forms, according to Plato? The forms are abstract, perfect, unchanging concepts or ideals that transcend time and space. They exist in the realm of forms. There was an allegory that Plato described that I've always liked, and it goes like this. There was a group of people who have spent their entire lives living in a cave. The only light they had was a flickering fire, and they could only see the cave walls. They would occasionally see forms of shadows projecting onto the wall. I like to imagine they even named these figure shadows. Horse, dog, ball, carriage. But they could call any shadow any name they wanted to. It was, after all, their own reality. It was all they knew. They could even call the horse, the shape that we know as a horse, a dog. Why not, right? The shadows on the wall were shapes of what they knew, named, and saw. It was the only thing that they had ever seen. Therefore, this was their reality. Now, we know that a shadow on a wall is made by something else to make the projection appear or to have that shadow be on the wall. So was their reality false? They thought the shadows were the form. They didn't know something else was making the shadow because they couldn't see it. We know that the shadows come from a puppeteer projecting the shadow on the wall, even if the people in the cave can't see the puppeteer, right? In our lives, the cave represents what is being projected in front of us as the absolute truth. We constantly and mindlessly conform to what society dictates, and we, as a society, believe the shadows are real. Except our shadows on the wall are usually the news, fear, materialism that we face in today's culture. We never consider the fact that the shadows can be altered or manipulated by a puppeteer because it's what we were born to see. We cannot see the puppeteer, so we forget to analyze our state of being because it's all we know. We accept the form of the shadows as our reality and then go through the same routine. Wake up, go to work, come home, eat, go to bed, do the same thing all over again. Picture your own routine and reality for a moment. Picture your day, your reality. We are capable of seeking our own reality. We possess the power to identify and narrate our own reality, our own journey. So today ask yourself, what does stepping into your reality really mean? I've thought about something like this before with a different example that's relevant to me. I wake up and it's a gloomy, rainy day outside. The reality for me at street level and at that moment is that it's gloomy, it's rainy, it's drizzly, it's dark, and it's melancholy. However, if I were to fly up into the sky at that very moment, above the clouds, above the rain, 
I would see that the sun was there shining all along. The rainbows were up above the clouds, up above the dreary reality the whole time. So again, I ask you to think about your reality, what you choose for your reality to be. You could accept at the moment that reality is giving you a rainy day and that you in turn will have a rainy day, or you can decide that your reality is larger than the form that is right in front of you. Your reality is in fact larger than, bigger than, above than, you see? Your reality is what you make it. Your reality can be the sunny day that was there all along. Okay, starseeds, it's time for a soulful send-off. Each week, this will either be a soul card that is drawn for us as a group collective, a beautiful poem, or a scripture to inspire your day. So today, I chose to draw a soul card to present a send-off message for us. In my mind, I ask my guides to show me a message that we as a collective need to hear. When I do these, I lay all of the cards out in a big shape of a rainbow on the floor and I close my eyes and I move my hands over the cards and usually one of my fingers gets like a little hot or a little tingly and that's the one that I pull while my eyes are still closed. So today I pulled the card freedom, which is actually quite relevant to today's episode, not surprisingly. The card says, I possess the power and the free will to create my own happiness. The Soul's Journey cards by James Van Praagh goes on to explain Your soul is open to receiving new wisdom and insights that will allow it to make the right choices for its own growth. Remember, you're never a victim of other people or their circumstances. You have complete control over your own choices. By following your heart and being authentic to yourself, you present the real you to the world. Making decisions based on other people's expectations is not the true path to happiness. You are responsible for creating your own reality. When a soul shifts to a place of honoring itself in its totality, free from judgment, only then will it find its true freedom. Every soul is unique and follows its own path. So don't give in to peer pressure or the urge to fit in. You are the only one who truly knows the real you. So feel free to march to the beat of your own drummer. Such a beautiful send-off message and wild that it even had keywords and insight from the stories and the messages from the episode. Pretty cool. And that concludes another episode of Mindful Divine. For more info, you can check out my website, mindfuldivine.com, where you'll also find insight on therapy sessions, workshops, events, and so much more. You can also subscribe to my YouTube channel, Mindful Divine, where you'll receive exclusive behind-the-scenes content on the show. And be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this episode in the podcast app, the iTunes store, or wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, stay mindful and divine.